Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Time to crank it up. It's a Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, a very busy day here on campus. And, of course, welcome in to Studio B for the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. The Black and Blue Report is ready to go. I'm Sean Kelly. And uh, we've got both basketball and football to talk about today. As promised, we did talk about Wednesday being a big day for the program, and uh, we're set to deliver. We are going to uh, talk about, on the football side, uh, Jabari Greer and where things are with him, what his thoughts are currently with the Saints, and the current state of things in the NFL. A very extensive visit with Jabari Greer today in Studio B. That's going to be fantastic. It's Wednesday. That means fantasy football, guys uh, and gals. Uh, get your pens and pencils ready. Do people still use pens and pencils? I don't even know anymore. It's kind of like get your tablets ready, I guess. Uh, but Daniel Sowerson, of course, is in Studio B today, and he'll be joined by our fantasy expert, Jake Seeley from rotoexperts.com. And then on the basketball side, we're very pleased to uh, have ESPN's Mark Stein on today's podcast, and we'll uh, pick Mark's brain a little bit about his time in Spain with the uh, television coverage of FIBA World Cup. And his thoughts, not only on Anthony Davis and the Pelicans, but the NBA in general, heading into training camp next week. I, can, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I think that Pelicans fans ought to be very, very excited about what's to come here for their NBA team. And uh, why not a little excitement about a new uniform to talk about today as well. Yesterday, the Pelicans at one of their JTCs, their junior training camps, uh, unveiled the new, as they call it, the alternate uniform. Uh, it'll be worn on a limited basis, including opening night uh, on October the 28th. But uh, if you love red, like I do, you're going to love this new uniform. And if you uh, also like the change up in that the regular uniform, say New Orleans across the chest, this alternate uniform says Pelicans in nice big letters across the chest. And a little bit later on in the show, I'll get you some reaction from Anthony Davis and Austin Rivers about what they, what they, uh, what they looked or what they thought when those things were unveiled yesterday. I think the guys may have only seen them one other time before they were unveiled yesterday, so we'll we'll share that with you. We have a very busy, busy show, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here in the opening segment, um, you know, I guess, delaying the inevitable here, which are 
three really good pieces for you. Uh, we will say this. It looks like Tony Romo, by the way, may not practice today for the Dallas Cowboys. We'll learn more about that after 3 o'clock Central. And, of course, that will be on DeWarlandSaints.com. And uh, also the Morris Claiborne thing is really an odd situation in Dallas. I think he's back at their practice facility today after basically storming off yesterday after being told that he was being demoted from a starting role with the Cowboys D. So all that is in play. And, of course, we'll be anxious to see the uh, New Orleans Saints injury report as released by the team to the NFL later on this afternoon as well. John DeShazer and I will have the New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap, um, as you know, not only on your mobile device, but on your desktop at NewOrleansSaints.com a bit later today. So there's a lot on our plate. There's a lot for you to take in. I hope that you enjoy our visit with Jabari Greer, also with Mark Stein. And, of course, uh, we hope that we can help in some small way with your fantasy lineup for the games that start um, tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. So stay with us. Black and Blue Report continues from Studio B. Right through this. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Our next guest here on the Black and Blue Report, I think, has a key to the city in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, Jabari Greer, you all know Jabari, is with us here in Studio B. Uh, do you you have a key to the city, don't you, Jabari? Yeah, I do, Sean, but it doesn't open a lot of doors, man. I tried it, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think it just uh, works at my uh, my mom's house. What, I was just going to say, what does one do with the key to the city? You know, I, I mean, obviously it's, it's just um, ceremonial, but I have a lot, a lot of great friends in, in Jackson, Tennessee, and you know, I have, I do have some access there. I do have some access. They've been, they've been gracious enough to welcome me with open arms and, and do so many great things in the city with me to allow me to um, really give back and, and pour uh, my, my soul and, and spirit and, into the city. So just being able to do that and have the access to do that has been truly a blessing. And Jabari, of course, received that after becoming a Super Bowl champion. And Mr. Greer spent five seasons with the New Orleans Saints and has now since retired as an NFL player. And, and Jabari, your uh, retirement announcement was rather unique. Uh, you want to share that story? Yeah. So the thing is, is that I've always been one to and just like every other player, you want to be able to go out on your terms. That's something that players aspire, but very rarely get to do. So although I did not get to go out on my terms, I felt that to announce my retirement my way was kind of a uh, consolation prize was I got to go out I got to retire on my own terms and I wanted to do it very creatively in a way that I could remember and something that really just just speaks about speaks to who I am 
as an individual. You know, usually you see people, you know, they read uh, pre-written statements. You know, I like to thank, you know, my mom and everybody, the the family of the owners. And it's, it's I, of course, all that is great. But I wanted to do something that was a little more creative, you know, with uh, with my writing background and with just who I am. I wanted to be a little different. So I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, contact the people at First Take, and they were incredible in allowing me to do this on air. You know, um, Carrie Skip and uh, and Stephen A. They were all all on board, and Anton Smith was the uh, he was great with allowing me to uh, to do that. So um, the prop was the coffee mug, right? The prop was the coffee mug. So what what yep. happened was she she threw it to me. You know, she said, Jabari, I've been hearing that you've had a lot of options to come back and play the game. She said, so what, are you, what is your decision? And so when she told me that, I brought up my mug as if I was going to take a drink. And in my mug, I had some very clear handwriting that said, retired. <laughs> it was really classic. It mm. was really a Jabari Greer type move. That's for sure. You're right. It fit your personality, to say the least. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. And, you know, I remember the night before I was going to do something very, very different. You know, I was actually going to make some different references. I was going to do a couple of cuffs instead of a couple of different things. But as a good wife, you know, she kind of uh, warned me that that might be a little over the top, you know. So, <laughs> you know, she told me to keep it simple, and that's what we did. So, fortunately, it, it, it worked. So is this leading me to believe that you're venturing into the broadcasting world? I know that you're going to do some stuff with WDSU here locally. You mentioned the first take appearance. Is that oh, where you're heading here? Yeah, you know what, man? First of all, WDSU has been so, so gracious in allowing me to join their team to do uh, the Sunday takeaways, really working with my expertise, which is, you know, football and, and my personality, allowing me to have the freedom just to pour my myself into in, into this craft and learning the technique of broadcasting. But as far as moving forward, I guess the question is, Sean, do you think I can do this? This is a perception business, man. If you don't think I could do it, then obviously it doesn't matter. If the, if, if the public doesn't believe in you, it doesn't matter how much I believe in me. And, and, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because over the years, whether it be with the NBA guys I work with or now with the NFL as well, there are guys that stick out, and, and as they get later in their career, I've either brought it up to them or they've, uh, I guess, shown some initiative. But it does start to stick out a little bit. I, you know, I haven't talked to Zach Streif about it, but, you know, he's a oh, guy yeah, that Zach has – Yeah, Zach would be good. Yeah, he yep, would. Zach would be very good. And obviously the guy that brought him along in uh, Stench, you know, also has, has kind of ventured into this a little bit. And Stench has it been does. very good, actually. I, I do. I, I like Stench. I like Stench. Absolutely. And so – I think that some guys have a knack for it, and when they can, when you can put together, Jabari, what you have learned as far as being in a locker room and playing the game at that level, and then you know the the want to that that's the key, the want to dive into broadcasting yes. as much as you did as a player. Those are the guys that seem to be able to translate that into their next career. And let's be honest, you know, you're still a young man, and 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 the average life in the NFL says even if you take care of your finances, there's still plenty more to do. Of and, course, uh, yes, right. Of, of, and so, in in your case, I'd be curious to ask you. I mean, what what is it about broadcasting that that you think that maybe this is where you'd like to go with this thing? Well, I I love the fact that I still get to be around the game. You know, and 
I'm not so quick to want people to forget about me yet. You know, <laughs> I, I still I still kind of want to be remembered, man. Let me let me get a couple shots in in the uh, in, in front of the camera first. But really, truly, I think that this is something that's been developing for uh, a couple of months now, and I I wanted to give it a try just to challenge myself. You know, I've always wanted to learn the technique of talking, learn the technique of saying clear and concise thoughts in a way that's easily understood and conveying what's on my heart to the listener so they can really understand who I am in a way that translates the game from the field to the average person smart and really genuinely. You know, I want to be able to be a guy and guys that I look up to in in the broadcast business is like it's Marsh Lareth. I've met him twice and every time I've met him or worked with him I've bombed terribly. I think that being with like your broadcasting idol idol is it it's been intimidating in, in in some facts, you know, but him, Charles Davis, these guys are they're not only smart but they are very sincere when they talk. You don't think that they are standing up there judging or condemning people, but you understand as a player and a fan that they are speaking the truth and they're genuine and they're relatable. So the reason why I, I would like to do this, I would like to people, I would like people to understand that as a player doing this broadcasting, that I that I represent them, and also as a player that I represent the the player. So I, I want to be able to be. I guess a good medium, a good mediator between um, the fans and the players. It does mean you're going to have to be critical. Um, uh, yeah, of course, you have to be true. You ha- you have to right, be since you have to be well, not necessarily critical, but you have to be honest. You know, and honest doesn't necessarily mean critical. On- honest means you know you have to be willing to tell the truth, no matter the consequences. And that's I mean, and that's. That's what you should you should be that way. But I don't think that you have to criticize anybody. I think that you can be honest while being sincere and compassionate and being uplifting. You know, hey, mm-hmm. these guys are having a tough time. They're not they're really not they're not blocking well, they're not running well, but you know what? I do see promise in them moving forward. They have good coaching, they have good leadership, and they can truly write this boat. But if they don't, it's going to be a long season for them. So you're you're being honest, but yet and still, you're being um, you're being compassionate and and genuine. It's interesting you say that because even to this day, and I know it hasn't been that far removed, uh, Jabari. When I'm in when I'm in the locker room, your name comes up often, and and you're missed as a teammate in the locker room. And there's a dynamic to that, and there's also the dynamic is what you're saying is yes, I'll always be a player, but at the same time, not being a player and able to praise when praise is needed and also to be honest or point things out even if it means a guy calls you up and says hey man you're being kind of hard on me and and, yeah but you'll be able to say hey but look if you and I sit down and watch this film together you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about does that make sense yeah that that is that 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 does make sense and obviously you being in the business you could you know you could tell me that more than than anything you know so I, I I definitely I agree I agree with that so where do you want this to go? Well, let me let me, let me to the top, up. baby, to the top. Right? Do you want to be a game analyst? Do you want to be a studio analyst like Mark Schlereth or how? You know, Charles does game work, and yes. I remember when he first started doing the college football stuff, and now it's translated. But 
Where were you? Where will you be most comfortable? I think I will be most comfortable, and you know what, Sean? I don't know. It's really whatever happens, man. If I get an opportunity to be in a, a game analyst, then I'll do that. If I have an opportunity to be a studio analyst, then I will do that. It just depends on um, the opportunities. And right now, you know, I'm just, it's like I'm an intern, man. I take any work that I could take. It's like <laughs> I'm starting on the bottom, man. I'm st- I can't be picky right now. So I can't, you know, I'm not a first-round draft pick. I'm an undrafted free agent trying to make this, uh, trying to make the roster, man. Well, that mirrors your playing career a little bit now, yes. doesn't it? Yes, yes, it does. So far, what have you seen with the Saints? Let's 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 uh, play a little broadcast here, shall we? Um, give me your take on the first three weeks or so. Well, the first three weeks, I believe they've shown promise. You know, they haven't lost the games from a, I guess, a physical aspect. It's been mostly mental for them. You know, mental mistakes, drop balls, missed tackling, missed uh, missed assignments. So the communication and the experience that the defense is is showing now is something that they didn't show in the first couple of games. So it's promising knowing that they are starting to gel together more more now. On the offensive side, you know, we we have to uh continue to establish the run that they are really focusing on now. You see these guys uh really attacking the run. The offensive line and the receivers are blocking incredibly down the field you see guys taking two and sometimes three it's really promising you know but our the 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 deep play the deep ball that the saints usually thrive on isn't something that has uh, has shown up that much over the last couple games one thing that we do have to fix is a second and third quarter point differential you know we've we've been outscored in the second and third quarter 45 to 31 i believe so in the game there's many different facets of the game but when you start out, you know, when you finish, when you start and when you finish, those are two of the most emotionally driven times in the game. When you come out of the tunnel and when you finish going into the game. And the Saints are incredible at that time. Now, when the meat and potatoes of the games happen is in the where the meat and potatoes of the game happens is in the second and third quarter. What they need to do when the emotions subside, they need to be able to weather those storms and really continue to put their foot on the gas and start to play Saints football after all the emotions have of the game have have uh, have waned. And I think that that is the key to the Saints taking the next step of really being uh, an explosive, explosive team and, and having the, the success that they had in the past. That's a good take. I didn't really kind of think about that. If you start to break the game apart a little bit. And Jabari, you know, one of the things I hear on the street and everything else is this this fan frustration right now with the defensive secondary. We're going to go right into your wheelhouse here. Um, I understand some of that frustration. Mm-hmm. I, I do. But I'm sure there's something, and I'm I'm curious as to what you'll say here, I'm sure there's something that, that we all don't know or can't quite get our arms around with regards to that position group that perhaps you'd want to pass along that would make us more educated as far as watching them play? Well, if you think about it, these guys have only played together truly for three games. You know, the preseason isn't something where they get an extensive amount of real live plays you know they practice together but you have to be able to adjust on the fly when it comes to the games you know practice is is, it's it's a different beast these guys have played together for three games so we see their communication improving 
over this last game. The first two games, they it seemed as if there were communication gaps. You know, uh, doing with teams motioning, they were putting the Saints in compromise compromising positions because they know that the Saints are a man to man football team. And as they motion, there needs to be a lot of communication, a lot of adjustments made in the secondary on the fly. And we had a couple of times in which the adjustment DB, the DB that was adjusting, was not making eye contact with uh, with other DBs and uh, and communicating in the right adjustments. So things such as that come with experience, come with knowing who I play with and how they adjust midstream. The Saints lost a lot of experience in the uh, in the second day. They lost a lot of leadership. So I'm looking forward to these young guys, you know, Kenny Vaccaro stepping up. You know, Jairus Bird is taking, they say he's taking an incredible uh, leadership role and see exactly how they're going to continue to build and, you know, um, overcome this adversity together. Jabari Greer with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Um, Jabari, I I haven't known you a long time, but I do know you as a man of faith and character. with all that's been going on in the NFL over the last two to three weeks here, how have you, you know, and maybe more so as a former player, how have you taken all this in? Where does this all sit with you? Well, this is disturbing because the shield in which we play for, we feel is um, being seen in a negative light. Nobody excuses the uh, the actions that um, these individuals have have taken but we as professional football players in general are men of standards men of courage men of integrity and we have yes our name has been tarnished so that bothers that bothers me when people think of the national football league or nfl players they think of these isolated incidents and there's been too many of them there's been too many of them so it shines a light on what is truly needed in the NFL. You know, we are so invested in the production of a player where we should be as invested in the person, in the holistic person, in the holistic health, excuse me, of the player. I mean, this is this is deep-seated issues. You think that, okay, just take my example. As a person growing up in you know, Denmark, Tennessee, and then moving to inner city Jackson, I felt that the NFL was a destination. Once I make it, once I make it, once I make it, it'd be, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great. All my problems would be over. I'll be able to provide and do all this. And this is the mindset of a lot of young men that come from similar neighborhoods, similar backgrounds. And they realize that as you walk into an NFL locker room and you do make it, you still bring the baggage of um, your past with you. And now that you're under this microscope and it gets unpacked, you know, people start to see that you are human. So what this means is that people, well, as NFL players, we understand that we are, uh, we're men first, you know, and we have issues. We have to start being more of our brother's keepers. We have to start investing in the person as much as the production you know like i said before the the money that we get from uh, from the nfl it's been a it's a blessing and a curse it's a blessing because we get to provide for our children's children if uh managed right but it also can be a curse because it can easily turn people into individual contractors 
it, it can be a disconnecting force in which we are really intent on providing for our family up over the person, I guess the the, um, the spiritual and mental health of our players, of our, of our brothers, you know. So this is a, a deep-seated, deep-seated issue, you know, and it only, it, it all arises from, you know, fear, from insecurities, from isolation, from depression. And a lot of these men, a lot of us men in the NFL live lives of quiet desperation. You know, who can we tell that, you know, we're going through issues at home. Who can we tell that we feel like we, we're not being respected like we should? Who can we tell? You know, people, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear the hero complain, you know. So a lot of times these guys are living in isolation. And what needs to happen is a player who understands that needs to grab his brother and they need to hold each other accountable. They need to really start to invest in each other, you know, because, I mean, truly, accountability, transparency, and and vulnerability are probably some of the strongest things that you can you can have when it comes to uh, to a team. And I appreciate your insight and your thoughts on that. Well said. Hey, Jabari, before I let you go on a lighter note, now that you're not playing anymore, and with that would be the uh, demands of the schedule and the structure of an NFL season, are you driving your wife crazy yet? <laughs> well, the, the the demands and the, the, the desires and structure of a of a family is much more. I guess it's much more heart aching, I guess heart filling than the NFL by far. I'm you know, I we I went through the moment in which I was driving my wife crazy, but then I realized the power of getting out of the house is is <laughs> something <laughs> is something that that's special, you know. So I I still leave, you know, and and I take the kids to school, I still leave and do whether it's rehabbing or it's it's working out or doing something, I, you know, or, or working doing this uh, this broadcasting, um, doing practice. It's it's something that I get out the house where I can still come back and and, and reconnect with her, and I'm not you know, all up under up under her. But I was for a good two months, man, and <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she let me know about it. I, I figured that was coming at some point. Oh yes. yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. Hey, I really appreciate. it. I hope you'll stop by again. Of course, man. Just invite me back. I'd love to. Uh, that'd be great because I think uh, I think there's too much value uh, in your experience and your insight not to uh, get your thoughts from time to time. I know that I know that you're going to explode under the scene, and then you're going to be like a lot of these big time guys, and we won't be able to get to talk to you very much. But that don't is true. Us over that here. is true. You, you're right about <laughs> that. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Good stuff. Hey, tomorrow, uh, uh, let's see. On Wednesday, the social zone will come out on NewOrleansSaints.com. Uh, and you're on it this week with Jennifer Hale, is that correct? That is correct, yes. And it's going to be great, man. We had some great conversation. Hopefully it, it, it uh, translates into uh, to entertaining, um, entertaining uh, television. Or internet. I'm sure it will. That's what it is, right? Internet. Yeah, it's all there. <laughs> it's it's just television on the internet. It's that's television it on is. the internet, yeah. Yep. That's a hit. That's, that is a group name right there. Right there. Right there. Write that down. <laughs> hey, on Twitter, we, where can we find you still? It's Jabari underscore Greer on Twitter, and um, my Facebook is is Jabari Greer. There's no need to hide. No need to uh, be up under any uh, aliases. You know, you know, you can find me if you uh, if you look for me. You've always been good to us. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. Yep, Jabari Greer with us here on the uh, Black and Blue Report, and don't forget check out Social Zone with Jennifer Hale and Jabari this week. It's all yours uh, starting today on this Wednesday on NewOrleansSaints.com. Back in a moment.
Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars of the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. It's time for a Wednesday tradition unlike any other. Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com is here to give me and you, the listeners, some fantasy football advice as part of our Fantasy Focus presented by Xbox One. And I actually went to Jake for some last-minute advice last week. Ended up paying off for me. So, Jake, uh, welcome back, and I appreciate the advice. <laughs> Congratulations. I didn't have the best week last week, thanks to a lot of uh, Keenan Allen, LaShawn McCoy type of letdowns. I, I suffered a bad one in a couple of leagues. Uh, but luckily you have 20 of them, so hopefully a few of them actually went up your way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Jake, let's start with the Cowboys and Saints. Cowboys pass defense ranked 22nd and has allowed third most receiving touchdowns. And uh, given everything going on with Morris Claiborne and the Cowboys defense, is it smart to start Saints wide receivers this Sunday night? Yeah, it's pretty much smart to start all Saints wide receivers down to even Kenny Stills if you're looking for that big home run play, especially with the bye weeks have already started where you've got the bye weeks we're dealing with for the next seven weeks. I, I missed the days when it was like weeks eight through ten, and that was it. I don't like the seven weeks of bye weeks. But that being said, uh, yeah, you, you got to love Drew Brees. Even though it's on the road, you got to remember it's technically a dome. I, they have the open air, but it's a situation where it's a dome. And if you look at Brees' numbers, it's not so much more the road to home splits. It's the dome versus not being in a dome split. And he's 10 times better. The completion percentage is up. The yards per attempt is up. Everything's better when he's in, inside of a dome. So you got to like Brees. You like Colston for the fact that he found the end zone last week. Brees obviously made a point to find him at some point after missing out the week before. Uh, and then you saw Brandon Cooks right back to the PPR monster that he has been. So both of them are must-starts. And then Stills improved his numbers for the second week in a row, uh, getting back into the swing of things now that he's back to 100%. So if you're looking for that home run play, you know, you're looking at somebody to possibly catch fire in your lineup, catch four or five passes for 100 yards. You know it's going to happen at some point, probably two or three times this season because the Saints have always done that in the past with their third wide receiver and still has tons of ability to go downfield and put up a game like that. And this is the week where he can certainly exploit the defense and put up that kind of score. So, like I said, if you're looking for that high ceiling type of fill-in this week or you're playing a daily site where you're looking for that big value play, I think Stills is a nice sneaky play. Let's transition into running backs. A couple of them banged up that could uh, return this week, Jamal Charles and Doug Martin. Um, do you expect them to play? And if you do, should you start them? The only thing with Jamal Charles is he's on Monday Night Football. Do you take the risk and wait and start him, or is this one you may sit him out this week? I'm sitting him out if I don't own Niall Davis. Uh, Doug Martin, 
as long as he's healthy and they're saying he's making it through practice with no limitations, I'll start him because obviously with the situation with Randy fumbling last week, that pretty much points to Martin likely seeing the majority of carries again uh, well, now that he's back to being healthy. But if he's still limited in practice, then I'm probably trying to avoid this situation because we might see a 50-50 timeshare between him and Rainey. Even though Rainey did have the fumbling issues, he still looked good at times late in the game when he was given some opportunities. So if Martin's not back to 100%, I don't see them relying on him for 20, 25 touches uh, just to, for the fact that he's not going to be 100%. And then back to Charles, same thing as, even if we make it into Saturday and it sounds like he's getting all the first-team reps, I'm still not going to plug him in unless I have Miles Davis or maybe I have one of the Patriots running backs that I wasn't planning on using uh, as a backup plan because if he has a setback or if the Chiefs just want to hold off one more week until Charles is 100%, you can't risk that zero. That's the biggest thing. You just can't risk a zero. Uh, it, it, going into Monday night, you could be down by three or four points, and that zero, you just basically gave yourself a loss. So unless you have a backup plan as high upside as he is, granted if he goes into the game and he gets the start, he's a top 10 play. But if he sits, you, you're really in a tough spot. Let's talk QBs now. Um, some QBs that most people like to go to for fantasy numbers not doing so well. Cam Newton, I know he's been hurt, um, but also Tony Romo and Tom Brady. Are you concerned about their fantasy numbers, and should owners of those players start looking at other options? I'm concerned about all three of them, actually, for varying reasons. Tony Romo, it looks like you're watching the games. The back issues are still bothering him a bit, especially with the accuracy downfield, and that's more so why I'm concerned about him. He's still a fringe QB1, but we're talking about somebody who I completely – I continue to say how underrated he was from a fantasy standpoint over the course of his career. So many times he finishes a top-five quarterback, but at this point – or a top-ten quarterback, but at this point – He's looking at a fringe just because he's having issues with that, and that's limiting Terrence Williams' upside, or even Jason Witten's at times. So, it really, if he can't connect with Williams or Witten, then it's only Des Bryant, and Des Bryant's making the big plays just because he can't get downfield consistent with, consistently. That's going to be the biggest issue with him. And then you talk about the downfield, and that's the same issue that Brady's dealing with. He's been exceptionally inconsistent downfield. Uh, you look at the numbers, I forget what they are now, but I know going into the game, you something like two of 20-plus attempts downfield where, where he actually connected with the receiver. And then, granted, Gronkowski dropped one in the end zone last week, so there will be better days ahead, but he's having downfield issues. And then Cam Newton, I think of all three of them, he's the one that I'm not going to give up on if I own him, and then I'm actually looking for somebody to buy and possibly use in a few weeks. That's the one I would try to trade for because – Cam Newton, his issue is more so the ribs, and it's limiting his rushing ability, which that's where his fantasy value comes from. But they're doing it because they're smart. He didn't get one single call inside the red zone last week where it was him rushing the ball, and that's not what the game is for Cam Newton. So once he's back to 100%, there's going to be a lot better days for him. But until that rushing comes back, that's why I would hold off on probably starting him against tougher matchups. But a good buy low if somebody's panicking. Well, whether it's the QBs we were talking about just now or the running backs earlier, how about one or two guys worth trading for right now? Uh, in addition to Cam Newton, who I was just going on about, I'll give you two uh, running back and a wide receiver. Running back is Monty Ball. Has some tough matchups, especially last week with Seattle. Head into the bye. He doesn't have the best matchups coming out of the bye, but we're talking about an offense where he'll see plenty of touchdown opportunities. He's still extremely talented. There are better days ahead for him. He could easily put up 
RB1 numbers the rest of the way, and he hasn't been close to that. And people I've seen already are starting to panic in trade offers and getting only RB2, even RB3 value out of him in the trade. So he's someone, and then the wide receiver also a tough schedule to start the season is Keenan Allen for the Chargers. And last week was compounded by the fact that he was not 100%. He looked okay out on the field, but they're still dealing with that hamstring. Now another week past that. Plus, the matchup weather-wise wasn't great for passing the ball downfield with the wind and all that type of stuff. And it ended up being an Eddie Royal day and a run-heavy game. So I think Keenan Allen going forward, if you look at the matchup this week against Jacksonville, it doesn't get any better. So this is the week that if he does it, you're really happy and you're not panicking after that. If he doesn't, then you can start to worry a little bit or at the same time trade for him because if he has a big game, his value is going to skyrocket right back to where it used to be. And one last thing, the all-important waiver wire, a couple players worth picking up this week. you got to look back, go back to running back and wide receiver because that's where everybody's looking for help. Well, actually, quarterback real quickly because for whatever reason, I was on NFL.com talking about it for the article this week, and Kirk Cousins is still owned in less leagues than Robert Griffin is. And Kirk Cousins, if he hasn't proven it to you yet, if you look at the games that he's played so far, he's knocking on the QB1 status as being able to be trusted going into a game. He's already putting up QB1 numbers, but now saying that you can trust him as that going forward. It is a short week against the Giants, and Thursday night games generally hurt the passing game and help the running game more. So you might have lesser expectations, but for going forward, if you need QB help at all, Kirk Cousins should absolutely be owned, I would say, almost at every single 10-team league, let alone 12-team. And then at running back, which a lot of people are looking for help this week, uh, obviously, if Curry Robinson is still out there, 18 carries last week. I, I was actually a little bit surprised by that because I thought he was going to be just like Mark Ingram, who got his 11 and 13 touches, but he ended up getting 18, so you have to like him. Donald Brown is a great pickup. He's still got 30-plus carries, and the Chargers have no one else to turn to at this point with all their injuries. Same thing with DeAngelo Williams. Everybody's getting hurt in that backfield. He's the one carrying the rock. And then at wide receiver, you got to start looking if you're in deeper leagues. Allen Robinson and Jordan Matthews, those are two youngsters already flashing their talent. If you don't scoop them up now, not necessarily you want to start them right away, but if you don't scoop them up now, you're going to miss out on them, and somebody else is going to grab them before you have the chance. Good stuff. That's Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, and that will do it for this week's Fantasy Focus, presented by Xbox One. Jake, thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you next week. Anytime. Good luck. Thanks. When we come back, Sean will be back on this Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. 
Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We've been talking about Pelicans opening up camp next week. Of course, media day is Monday, and then uh, practice begins in earnest with two days on Tuesday. And I've tried my best to hold off on a lot of basketball talk this week, but I, I can't help myself. And so with that, I wanted to bring in ESPN's Mark Stein, who's been with us before here on the Black and Blue Report. Mark, it's almost here. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. How are you? You I'm ready? Going, yeah, I, I think I am. I think that I'm probably not in the uh, same uh, basketball mode that you've been with the FIBA World Cup. Welcome home, by the way. I appreciate it. How was it? Before I talk to you about camp opening up across the league, um, now that you've had a little time to digest some of it, what did you take away from the World Cup and what went on in Spain? Well, I'm a huge fan of international basketball. I really look forward to covering that stuff. Um, the Olympics in 2012 – I'd probably say is the assignment that I enjoyed more than any other in, in all my time covering basketball. I really, really enjoyed that. And, and this, you know, same kind of thing, you know, a long time in Spain, you know, kind of my stock line is if you're going to be away from your family for, for three, four weeks, Spain is a great place to do it. Um, they really love their basketball there. I got to go to a bunch of different cities, basically everywhere team USA was, I was. So for me personally, uh, it was fantastic. I guess the one downer for me is, you know, I want to see international basketball grow, and I'd like to think that more than 20 years removed from the dream team that the gap was getting smaller, but it's actually going the other way, and that's that's disheartening from a neutral perspective. I mean, this the guys on this team, they really cared. They wanted to win and probably didn't get enough credit back home for being the supposed B team or even the B minus team and winning in the fashion that they did, winning so many every game comfortably, really. But I think it would have been better for the sport overall if they got a push somewhere. And it's distressing to me that that so far down the line from the dream team, you know, Spain was the one team that was supposed to give them problems. Spain didn't even make it to the medal round. So that that part. I, I can't lie to you. That part bummed me out a little bit. Okay, fair enough. So I guess then make the argument for me that NBA players should continue representing Team USA. Well, that's exactly why it's so disheartening. Yeah. Because that's what NBA owners are going to say. Why are we putting our guys at risk? Why, if I'm the Pelicans, why should I let Anthony Davis go and play in a competition where nobody can push the United States? Now, the players, you got to factor in what they say, and that's something I think that, that's being overlooked here. These guys, the guys who go really want to go. They want to be there. It means something to them to win. I'm telling you, because of, because of the fact that ESPN was a rights holder at this deal and I got to go to some areas of the court uh, from the broadcast side that I normally wouldn't have been able to go to as just a, a regular print reporter, and I got – I was right near these guys just before they went onto the court for the medal ceremony, and you, you know, I wish I could have, you know, taken pictures or video of of these guys whooping it up and how happy they were to win this thing. They really wanted to be there, and I think a lot of NBA players still want to represent their country, and and that means something to them. So you can't say it doesn't mean anything, but yes, from the owner perspective, the Pelicans are paying every cent of Anthony Davis's salary and they're exposing him to all this risk for games where nobody's coming close to us. So you can see it from the ownership perspective too. You know, I, I, as a lover of international sport would love to think that the basketball world cup 
could someday be on par with the World Cup. But the reality is, in soccer, the World Cup is the pinnacle of the sport, and playing for your national team is pretty much the highest honor you can, you can get. In the NBA culture, that's just not the case. You know, Anthony Davis has now been part of a gold medal winning team at the Olympics and a gold medal winning team at the World Cup. But when we talk about his basketball resume and legacy, these are not going to be high priority items. He's ultimately going to be judged on what he does in the NBA playoffs. That's the way the NBA culture works. So that is one of the big problems here. So does it stay this way or do you see the owners pushing hard enough to change it? I, I think there will be a push to change it, and I think the whole under-23 concept will get new life. The problem you have there is around the world, I think other countries would be willing to go under-23 for the Olympics and leave the World Cup as the big event. But from the American perspective, again, this purely NBA perspective, this is the one country where the Olympics are the bigger deal and the World Cup is secondary. Team USA uses the the World Cup as a proving ground for that younger generation to kind of earn their way onto the Olympic team. So even the way we see these competitions as Americans is completely different from the way they're viewed around the world. So it's not, it's not an easy fix. Uh, you know, the LeBrons of the world, they want to play in the Olympics. They don't want to play in the World Cup. So I wonder, from an NBA player perspective, if the Olympics went to under-23, how that would sit with the top, top players in the NBA. If the World Cup had been played in the United States, or if it gets to be over here at some point, would it, would it dramatically rise in popularity or not? I think if the NBA ran it and you did go under 20, 23 and under in the Olympics, and this became the, pre- the premier event with NBA-level marketing, yes, I think it would. But the reality is, uh, you know, the NBA, it's not that simple for the NBA to just take it over. And, you know, FIBA is a massive organization that's not going to just simply relinquish what is its marquee event. So I think we're a ways away from that happening where it became, and, and, you know, Mark Cuban makes a lot of sense when he says the NBA should run this thing. Players get 50% of the profits as part of the collective bargaining agreement. So it's, if the NBA ran it, it's an everybody wins kind of thing for the NBA, for NBA teams and NBA players. But FIBA has a much broader scope than just the NBA. The NBA is not their sole concern. So I don't know how close we really are to something like that happening. Fair enough. Mark Stein from ESPN with us here. Hey, Mark, you know, the Pelicans obviously have to be pleased with all the coverage that Anthony Davis got and all the platitudes that went his way and everything else. Part of me, though, is is having a hard time getting my arms around the fact that a lot of the stuff that folks were talking about with regard to Anthony at the World Cup is the same stuff that I saw last season in an NBA All-Star season for him. And so I'm trying to delineate between what's new with Anthony Davis that's being talked about after his World Cup play or what did everybody not see that we saw locally here during the second half of last year's NBA season. Well, isn't that the problem? The problem is we probably saw Anthony Davis more over the last two, three weeks than than we're going to see him nationally for the next nine months. I mean, that's the the sad reality that New Orleans is building a nice team here. They've got a lot of interesting pieces, and they're on national television so rarely. We don't get to see Anthony Davis around the country like you guys do in New Orleans. But I would say the the thing you should be excited about coming out of the World Cup is, is how good Ashik looks. He, he looked to me the best he's looked in a long, long time. And obviously, 
he's playing against Anthony Davis. We, we, we haven't seen them together yet. But when Ashik is in this mood that he was for Turkey, very plugged in and aggressive around the basket, uh, I, I would think that, that Pelicans fans have to be excited about the prospect of those two guys hooking up together. And, and with that, objectively, I'm hoping you can help me gauge what the Pelicans' expectations ought to be going into a camp next week, especially in a Western Conference that doesn't seem to ever get any easier. Yeah, well, you got to shoot for the playoffs. I mean, they have playoff capability, but, you know, you said it. In the West, uh, you know, it's, it's easier, you know, it's very easy to miss out. And, you know, you got to stay healthy, number one. Uh, you know, I'm sure from a Pelicans perspective, you guys are just hoping that you got all your injury stuff out of your system last season. Uh, you know, but if, if Anderson can come back, and Davis and Asha clicked the way they should. I mean, I'm, you know, Anthony had to play a lot of five in Spain. I'm sure he'd much prefer to go back to his normal position, and I'm sure he'll be the happiest guy to see, to see Asha in the gym when camp starts. He'll be, ha- he'll be as happy as anyone for that. So uh, there's definite playoff potential there, but, yeah, I mean, the West is the monster that it always is, and, you know, the, kind of the, the, the line that I always use for, for teams like New Orleans that are relatively close to the midpoint of the NBA map. I mean, what you really need is a trade to the East, but obviously that's not, that's not possible. But, uh, you know, any, any, you know, Memphis, New Orleans, Minnesota, any of these teams that are, you know, you could say, ah, oh, they're, they're close enough to the East to move over. I mean, I'm sure the real dream is to find a way to, uh, to get on the other side of the bracket because the East, you know, the East looks like it got weaker again, even, you know, even with, LeBron staying and, and, and Carmelo staying. Uh, it's frustrating for East teams to, to look across at those other standings and, and see how inviting it is. Oh, no doubt. And, and, of course, New Orleans would yell and scream because they used to be a part of the East, and so they would, they would call dibs, I'm sure. So, um, so, did, hey, so did Houston and San Antonio, yeah, though, so there would, yeah. be, uh, there would be an argument. There, there would be, I guess so. Um, hey, I, I could talk to you all day. One more question, though, before we go. Uh, sometimes it's, it's real easy to – go overboard going into a training camp with regard to storylines. Uh, but to you, to you, still a little over a month away from the start of the regular season, give me something or give fans something that is worthy of paying attention to in these sometimes mindless preseason games in October. Well, look, I think there, you know, we don't have to get too inventive here. The reality is that, that seeing LeBron back in a Cleveland uniform and now you throw love into the mix, uh, it's going to be fascinating. I think there's going to be a huge amount of interest in Cleveland's preseason games, even though we're, we're talking exhibition games and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're playing Maccabi Tel Aviv off the bat, which isn't even an NBA team. But I, I just think there's such a great deal of curiosity about what it's going to look like. Uh, you know, Kyrie Irving is another player who had a really good run in Spain, but, you know, he's going to have, you know, he's going to have to share the ball more than he has in the past. We're curious how that's going to look and how that's going to work. But, you know, Cleveland is going to replace, you know, by virtue of LeBron going home, you know, they're going to replace Miami as that, you know, Beatles kind of team that's going to have the rock star effect wherever they go. And I, I think you have to, it's going to be hard to resist tuning in just to see what that looks like every step of the way. Fair enough. My friend, I will probably see you sooner than later, and I hope it is sooner. Um, as the as the Pelicans will probably make their way toward uh, your neck of the woods here soon enough. Hope so, pal. Good talking to you as always. Got it. Yep. ESPN's Mark Stein with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We're going to talk a little more about that Pelicans New Jersey unveil yesterday when we come back before we wrap things up on this Wednesday.
In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans, featuring half-season and 12-game options, including the ever-popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Go to Pelicans.com if you haven't already and check out the new alternate uniform for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Good pictures there of the guys wearing the uniforms. They're all there. And I think, as a matter of fact, if you want to order a replica of that uh, new alternate uniform, you can do so now at pelicans.com big event yesterday to unveil that new uniform a lot of the guys were there including eric gordon uh austin rivers anthony davis was there too as a matter of fact this is davis yesterday speaking about the new uniform at the unveiling event oh, i love them you know, they look great like i said something new you know um we get this year going i'm gonna wear my open tonight so um, we're gonna get it not just us but our fans you know uh, even more reason to come and support us you know i definitely love the jerseys uh, all the guys who didn't see it, you know, who couldn't be here, um, don't love them as well. And perhaps the biggest fan out of the player group, um, and not surprise, uh, not surprising because he had a lot of red uh, when he could in the other uniforms last year, is Austin Rivers. Rivers uh, seems very pleased about this uh, new piece of clothing. Uh, I like it. My favorite color is red. So uh, I would have liked the whole thing to be red, to be honest with you. So I love it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to put a jersey on. We want to go play. So it's, it's cool. So, again, there you have it. The alternate uniform is uh, is uh, available and uh, can be viewed again at pelicans.com. Thanks to uh, Mark Stein. Good basketball talk with him today from ESPN, of course. And to Jabari Greer. Good to see him here in studio. He looks great. He sounds great. He seems to be in the right place. And uh, he had some good insight for us today. And, of course, we want to also uh, pass along thank yous to Daniel Sallerson and Jake Seeley from rotoexperts.com for helping us on the fantasy football side on this Wednesday as well. We're just as busy tomorrow. Jim Henderson, of course, voice of the Saints, scheduled to be with us. We're efforting for Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys. And, uh, of course, we'll take you inside the Saints locker room as we do each and every Thursday. And that will continue our process toward the Sunday night game against the Dallas Cowboys. Long show today, but a good one. And uh, thanks again for making us a part of your Wednesday. Hope the rest of your day and night is certainly as pleasing as it has been for us so far here on campus. For Daniel Sallerson and all of our guests today, Sean Kelly here in Studio B for the Black and Blue Report. Thanks so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.